guys this morning. For those of you who arrived while well, the lights were off, I know your New Year's resolution is showing up on time, but it's not the new year yet, so that's all good. For those who decided not to show up and you're tuning in online, glad you're there as well. It's, um, man, what a great season. It's the uh, end of 2017 already. Can you believe it? Some of you are like, yeah, I'm glad it's over. Uh, but man, didn't it just fly by? Don't, does, does, time just seems to just go so, so quickly sometimes. And, um, you know, with our, with our small groups, if you're part of our men's small groups, or you, you know that we have these, every, uh, every week we get together, we have this, these questions that were asked, three same questions every single week. Anybody know what they are? How was your, yep, how was your day? How was your week? What's uh, it's that reflection of, of um, you know, how are things going? What else do we ask? Right. What are your highs? What are your lows? And what's the last one? Where's God been working in your life? What's for dinner? That should have been answered before that. But, you know, yeah, we have these, these things of um, reflection. And I, I don't know, like, um, uh, as I thought about this, this time, uh, time frame, for some, it's a time of reflection on the year that's passed. For some, it's this thought of, you know, resolution or looking forward to, to what's ahead. Uh, and so I, don't, I want to ask you, did you take some time yet to reflect on this past year? Have you just sat down and thought, wow, yeah, it all went by. It was 365 days. What's happened? You know, have there been some highs? Have there been some lows? Where have you seen God at work? And as I thought about it for my own life this, uh, this past week, I, I, there were some incredible highs in my life this week that have just sort of, they were there and then they, they were kind of gone. Like, for instance, traveling out east with my family was one of, like, just an incredible high for us. It's not one of those things we do, we do all the time, but just this picture, again, seeing my boys hunting for sand dollars, remembering, man, what it felt like to be there and watching the tides and seeing just the God's amazing creativity and creation. It was just such an, such an amazing, amazing experience. And when I was there in the moment, it was awesome, but that's six months ago. And yet, as I remembered it and re- recollected, I was like, yeah, you know, that was awesome. God, your creation and creativity is just, it is phenomenal. You are deserving of praise. You know, the, I thought about flying an airplane over the Bahamas. That was a pretty epic experience. It was a little four-seater. I got to pilot this. I let the other guy pilot for a while so I could take some pictures. I'm, like, I'm just seeing, seeing that view. I've seen it from an airplane. But when you're flying w- really close, man, it's like, in, it's incredible, the view. And I thought, again, just how different as we flew from Haiti to um, Canada, how much different um, the, uh, things you can see along the way, that the ocean is not just the ocean. There's certain parts that have incredible uh, expanses of white sand and others that have brown sand. And some is just deep, dark, like lines cut through the, through the ocean floor and others. Like, it was just something that's so, so incredible. And I thought, man, what an amazing, uh, crazy and amazing experience. I just invented a new word, cremazing. All right. So, <laughs> Last week, if you were here last week for the Christmas Eve services, you would have got to see my kids up on stage quoting John 1 from memory. And I was like, man, that was an amazing experience for me to see them just, uh, you know, having the word of God being hidden in their heart and to be able to share it. And someone texted me like, you must be a proud papa. And I'm like, oh, man, my heart grew three and a half sizes that day. You know, it was pretty, it was pretty, pretty awesome. Um, And, you know, as I thought about the highs, there was one I couldn't get away from. And it's you guys. I absolutely love our church. As I thought about the experiences, and I know it's my job, but it's, it's different. It's bigger than that. I thought about your generosity. 
I had the opportunity, I put this on Facebook, but not everybody's on Facebook. Here's some of the gifts and some of the gift cards that we were able to deliver, a bunch of personalized gifts for families that we were able to bless 55 families this year as a result of your generosity. That's like money that's just kind of over and above that's set aside to, to be able to be a blessing. 55 families. That's more than that's probably here this morning. That's a, that's a lot of people. And you know what's really, really, um, see, you guys don't get the experience of knocking on the door and seeing them open the door and just like that look of like, here's a bag full of toys for you and your kids. And just that, that smile, that thought, that, that wow. We had one, um, one gal, she's a single mom from our church. She uh, sent me a birthday card for my birthday, this, on, uh, for my 40th. And as I was reading the card, she wrote in there, I just want to say thank you for the Christmas presents you gave me last Christmas. They were the only gifts I got last year. She has no family. Her kids, you know, it was just her and her kids. You guys were the ones to give her Christmas. Last night I had a guy, single guy from our church here, come up and tell me that the gift we dropped off at his door, he wasn't even home, um, but it, it said dropped off at his door was the, was the only gift he's received in five years. See, those are things that he's like, you know what, I didn't even know who it was from, but it made my day. I was having a horrible day. I came home, and I saw my, my, um, my blue bin was in the wrong place. He's like, I was angry about the fact, like, who put that there? And he picks up the blue bin, and underneath is his gift. He had no idea who it was from. He says, you know, later on when he found out it was from us, he's like, it didn't even matter. He says, I just knew it was from the Lord, and that it was there on that day at that time. You guys did that. You know, that's the thing of the generosity of being a part of this church, and that was just Christmas. You know, the shoebox project, there was scads of shoeboxes for kids all over the world that you guys helped to send out from this place. And then the shoeboxes for all the women in our community that you guys helped to send out was amazing. And then in Haiti, the backpacks that that were sent over and all the school supplies and then sponsoring kids to go to school and then sending their families food for Christmas— you guys are just amazing. Like, the generosity here is amazing, and that is definitely one of the highs of my, of my year, to, to be a part and to see that. And then to see the teams. You know, as you got here this morning, the floors were all clean because there's an amazing team who cleans this place. And the bathrooms, if you've been there, there's toilet paper there waiting for you, which was great, you know? And you don't know how great that is until you're there and there's no toilet paper. So you can thank those who did their job so you could finish yours, right? That is like an awesome an awesome, awesome team. You know, I, I think of the people who welcomed you at the door. You came into a smiling face this morning. Thank you for that, Daryl. Uh, you know, you, you came into a cafe where people had been there ahead of you to make sure there was hot coffee and tea waiting for you and that there was, there was cream and milk there because it wasn't last night, but it was there this morning, you know. There's people who think and um, care about, uh, uh, about making this place amazing. Kids ministry, just love that. You know, hey, we don't have a class. Oh, now we do. Like, phenomenal, phenomenal people, a part of these teams. All our Bible study leaders, the people who are part of the small groups, leading small groups, you guys are it's changing lives, real lives. People who put on everything for last, uh, last weekend. It's just amazing to have, to be a part of the team. You guys are my highs, and I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart, from all of my heart, for being who you are and for, for living out your faith. Those are the highs of my year. What were yours? You know, then I think there's the, the lows. I don't always want to think about that. And the reason we think about that is because it's one of those things to say, yes, I'm going to look at it and realize, yes, it's there. And if I need to do something to change it, I'm going to. Not to look at it and focus on it and get stuck in it. But there were some lows in my life this year. You know, I think of the, some of the, the things where I gave into the enemy's temptations that no matter how old I get or how long I've been a Christian, it's like, you know, uh, as, as the one Bible author wrote it, there's the, there's the lust of the flesh and there's the lust of the eye and there's the pride of life and it's just crazy how those three things seem to sneak into our lives throughout the year. 
The times where I chose me over choosing others, my feelings over theirs, those were things I, those were lows in my life this year. When I allowed my emotions to get the better of me, when I said things that, and it's not usually the things I said, it's the volume that I said them, that I think, man, you know, those are some of those moments I want back. Maybe for you, you had some lows, or maybe you have regrets. You know, for me, regrets are like just the missed opportunities. I mean, there's some that don't matter too much, like I wish I'd sold my house in the housing boom this year, you know, rather than now. Uh, or, you know, I think maybe I should have bought Bitcoin uh, in April and sold it in December. Like, that's a missed opportunity. I could have just built us a whole new church if I'd done that, right? But, but there's, there's relational, relational missed opportunities I think about. You know, I, I think I didn't take my wife out on enough dates this year. And when I did, I was a pretty lousy date, to be honest. You know, for me, I would think, hey, uh, hon, you want to go out on a, on a date? And she's like, okay. And I'm like, and we're going to do this and this and this on the, uh, as we're out there. I got some errands to run for the church. You want to come along, right? And that's it's kind, of been, kind of been, I know, I know. Don't, don't give me those eyes. I already got them, right? <laughs> Missed opportunities. You know, last year when I thought about this point in my life last year, there was one thing that really was really strong for me is that I, I regretted that I had invited people to come to church or had invited people to come to a small group. And it was just weird for me, right? I told you that before. It's like, you know, it's awkward. Hey, you want to come to my church on Sunday and listen to me talk? Like, that's, that's like a weird invite, right? Like, who's going to say, yeah, sure, you know? Uh, but I realized that because of some of my insecurities in that area, that people not having the opportunity as a result. And so I began inviting people this year. And they came. Like, that's crazy, right? But, but seeing, also realizing that there's still missed opportunities. There are still others that, that haven't had a chance to, to hear about Christ through my life because of missed opportunities. And I, I just, I want to get those, those back. You know, highs, lows. How about you? What were your lows this year? Maybe you're in it right now. Maybe it's that, it's like, man, you know, year was great till Christmas, what are the lows? What are the things? And then the last one is this. Where do you see God at work? Because I, I think we see God at work through some of the highs. We ultimately can see God at work through the lows. But where do we see God at work? And you know what's really interesting uh, about that question? is if you don't ask yourself that question, oftentimes he's working and you just didn't see it. You don't see it. And, and you, you forget and you think, you know, God, where are you? What, are you ever, what have you ever done for me, God? That, that song, I don't know the new one, Grateful. Um, I, some of the words in there, just, just I've never heard that song before. But the, the words in there that, that talk about how I'm grateful, how you've been faithful. I won't forget the battles you've won. Man, what a powerful thought. And I saw God at work this year in some, some powerful ways, and many of you as well. You know, as I, as I think about my niece Eden, um, this picture was on my phone for months and months and months this year. As she was going through cancer treatment, and uh, just like a champ, and seeing her family, uh, how God was at work in their lives. God didn't give cancer. He, does, he doesn't do that. You know, and God wasn't like, oh, I got to test this family to see if they're, you know, how, you know, see how godly or how Christian they are. Let's just see what they do with cancer. But through and in spite of what the enemy meant for evil, I saw God at work through their lives in powerful, powerful ways. The healing of Eden, that she is cancer-free, it's an amazing, amazing thing, but there was so much more to it than that. Because regardless of the outcome, God was at work through the situation. And, and it's, it's here that I see it. I, I got to share the gospel with a man who lived a couple doors down from, from um, Eden uh, for the, the whole time of that journey. And when he was admitted to the hospital six weeks ago with cancer, he said to me, Mark, he says, that, that family has something that I don't have. What is it? 
and began to share about Jesus with him, and he accepted the Lord there. He's now terminal. He's only got maybe a couple weeks, a month to go yet. His body's shutting down, but he's on his way to glory. As a result of watching something, God at work. There's a woman who found her way to, to Kingsway and reconnecting with Christ because of that story, because of Eden. She said, I wasn't even on Facebook. I had no, no use for that until she was struggling with some things in her own life and signed up for Facebook just to stay connected with people and found Eden's story and through that found Kingsway and found Christ. And we are blessed as a result of that. There was a young woman in our church who was in a car accident this past year, and as a result of that, she became finally serious about her faith. Before that, it was like, it was just, it was craziness, and yet you watch the transformation power of Jesus in her life as a result. There's some young men in our church, multiple ones who I've heard it. You joined small groups this year, and after that, you know, you said, hey, this is the first time in my life that I've been excited about my faith. Man, I love seeing God at work in your life, so how about you? Where'd you see God at work this year? As you reflect, as you think about it, what were the highs, the lows, the regrets? Where'd you see God at work? And every year at this time, I think, you know, there's those moments I look back and say, man, I wish I had. And then there's always that thought of, you know, there's some things that I'm glad I did. And this morning, my hope is that one year from now, we would have more I'm glad I did than I wish I had. That in a year from now, I'd look back and say, wow, I'm so glad I did that. Rather than, oh, I wish I had done that. And so this morning, in the last little bit of time that we have together, I want to look at three things, three simple things that we can do today that you'll look back at in one year from now and say, wow, I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I did that. Three, three small things. You know, it's not rocket science, these things. They're not, um, they're not like things that are, that are way out there, are really crazy. They're just common sense things. And for some of you, like, wow, that wasn't new. It's not going to be. But it may, it's, it's a helpful and healthy reminder, if not just for me, hopefully for you as well. And it's not an exhaustive list. These three things aren't the only three. You can add whatever you'd like or take away whatever you'd like. But I can promise you, that these three things, if you do these three things next year, in the next year, you'll, you'll at the end of it say, wow, I'm glad I did. At Christmas, they say, you know, it's better to give than to receive. Have you heard that? Mm-hmm. Once. <laughs> it's, better, it's better to give than to receive. It's great to receive, though, isn't it? You know, for those of you, I, I have to say it is for me. I, you guys were, like, so generous to our family this year. I, I got to say thank you. There's um, the, the, the T-shirts. I, you know, I posted it up on the thing one week. You know, hey, there's this Jesus. This is how I saved the world. He's talking to superheroes. And I said, you know, that might be a great Christmas gift. That was a joke. But I got two of those shirts thanks to you guys. So that's, it's, it's great. It's, you know, speaking my love language, the amount of chocolate I have, I don't know what you're trying to do to me, but there's a... There was a lot of chocolate, um, and, I, and I'm, I'm a chocoholic, so thank you. The, you know, the gift cards for the date nights and the Tim cards, you guys just, you just know me. And, and, and so thank you. It is awesome to receive. The truth is it, is, it is better to give. And there's some great, great gifts that you can give more of this year, and it's these three things. So if you got a pen or whatever, jot them down. Maybe you just got to put them in your memory. I'll give you this. It's TFT, you know, TFT, TFT. Maybe they'll be like, later, why am I thinking TFT? Because it stands for these three things. Not these three things, but TFT stands for this. Thanks. Thanks. Saying thank you. One of the things you can give, it's so simple, and yet it's so, so powerful, that something we can give more of is this, this not just the words of thank you, but that idea of being thankful. Paul mentions it in almost every single letter he writes to new believers. 
No matter what country they lived in, what um, type of city or town they lived in, no matter what religion they left or if they had any religion at all, he always left them with these thoughts. And you can read it through Romans, Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Thessalonians. He writes to the Thessalonian believers, he says, um, chapter 5, verse 18, he says, Be thankful <coughs> Excuse me. in all circumstances. How many? All. No matter what you're going through, whenever, he says, be thankful in all. He doesn't say be thankful for all. He's not like, hey, you know, thank you, God, for, like, getting me in a car accident. Or thank you, God, for losing my job. Or thank you, God, for that relationship falling apart. It's not for, but in, in spite of all the things that you're going through. And it's easy to thank God. We often forget when it's going good. It's really hard to thank God when things aren't going very well. But he says, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will. Oh, we lost it. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances. Maybe just leave that up for a minute. I'm going to tell you a story. George Mikes actually told this story 40 years ago, 1977. He wrote it in a book called How to Be Decadent. And he talks about a man who lived in Budapest. And this man came up to his rabbi and he said to him, he says, you know what? He's complaining. He says, there's nine of us living in one room. It's unbearable. We can't do this anymore. What can we do? And the rabbi said to him, well, go home and get one of your goats and bring it into the house with you. And he looks at him like incredulously like, well, what do you, what do you mean? Well, he says, just do it and then come back in a week. So the man goes home. He takes his goat and brings it into the house with the nine other people. And he comes back, and one week later, he's just more distraught than ever. And he's like, we brought the goat in. It's worse than ever. That goat stinks. We can't take it anymore. You know, this is horrible. Why did you do this to us? And the rabbi says to him, okay, well, now just go home and put the goat out and come back in a week. He's like, what? Okay. He's like, just do what I said, and we'll see you next week. Sure enough, he goes home. The man returns in a week, and he's just radiant. He says, life's beautiful, he says to the rabbi. We enjoy every minute of it now that there's no goat. There's only the nine of us. You know, and it's like, what changed? What changed? Perspective. See, perspective is so, so powerful. And when you realize that, I mean, anybody who's been overseas realizes the difference of perspective. Like when you're here, and you're like, man, my Wi-Fi, my high speed is not even, it's too slow. That's a first world problem. You know, like my, my Brita filters, I ran out of Brita filters, I got to drink tap water, you know. First world problems. Or like I didn't get everything on my Christmas list. You know, there's some, they got nothing. And as you go overseas, you see incredible, incredible things. You know, it's like you think your house doesn't have enough rooms and then you go to a place that has one room. You know, it's made out of like these junk pieces of steel. Or you go to a, a dump site in the Philippines and see these little children scavenging through other people's garbage just to find food every day. And you realize, man, you know, and yet, yet you see them smile. Why? Because it's perspective. And so, so there's times where <clears throat> your perspective can be altered for you. When you go on a trip like that, it changes your perspective. But you can change it yourself. You can just decide and say, you know what, I'm going to look at, I'm going to look at the things that, that, that have been uh, good in my life. I'm going to focus on the things that I have to be thankful for, the reasons I have to be thankful for, as opposed to the things that aren't going well in my life. And the truth is, no one really wants to hear it. You know, no one wants to be around a complainer for long. I, I don't know if you've noticed that or realized that. I was at a, at a family get-together. You know, I won't say which family, but I was there and. Uh, 
And uh, we were sitting there, and one of, the, one of the kids was talking to me about working in retail and how terrible it is. And I'm just like, you know, I'm like, yeah, yeah. And I'm looking over at Beth like, rescue me, right? Like, you know that, that look? She didn't. But then uh, it, was, it was dinner time, and it was all good. But maybe you've had the same thing where you've been around people, and you're just like, man, all they do is the same drama. Every time you talk to them, it's the same complaints all the time. And you're just like, oh, how do I get out of this? There's an app for that now. It's called Fake Phone Call. You put it in there, you push a button, and it calls you like, wait a second, just got to take your call, you know? And I learned that from my real estate agent. He has a button in his pocket. If he pushes it once, his wife will call him. If he pushes it twice, she's going to send the cops. So, like, uh, <laughs> but, but nobody wants to hear the, the complaining, and even we don't, you know? It just does something to us. But that, when he says, you know, remain thankful. It's amazing how your perspective affects affects your life. Philippians chapter 4, sent this out to someone this morning. It's just such a powerful, powerful thought. It's been life-changing for us. Paul says this, don't worry, don't be anxious about anything. Instead, pray about everything and tell God what you need. You know, you got stuff going on, get the conversation going with God as a result. He says, tell him what you need, which is what we're good at. But he says this, and thank him for all he has done. See, we were like, God, this is what I need, this is what I need, this is what I need. And we forget that there's so many things to be thankful for. And it's a powerful thought in remaining thankful. He says, why? Because then you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul's writing this to them. And he's actually thanking them for sending him a monetary gift. He had, they had sent him uh, these funds. And, and so he, as he writes to them, he wasn't just telling them to do something. He was actually living it out himself. Later on in the letter, in, uh, in chapter 4, verse 11, he, he responds to this, this thought of this gift that's been given to him. And he says, he says, you know, I'm thankful for the gift you sent, but not that I was ever in need. He says, for I have learned how to be content. I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. You know, no matter if it's it's it's. The things He says, I don't have to say, hey, I need, I need, I need. I remain thankful for what I have. He says in verse 12, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. Either way, I'm content. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. Now ask that question, have you, do you have that? Where you're like, you know what, no matter what, I wake up each morning, I just have this sense of content. I don't always have that. And then he follows it up with this famous verse that gets misused so often. This, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me the strength. You know, people use that verse for everything but this. It's like, oh, I got a big test. Well, I can pass that test because I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. You know, that girl that you want to ask out but you're too scared. I can ask her out because I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. I can spend Christmas with my in-laws because I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. That's not what it was for. Paul's saying, I can learn how to be content whether I have everything or nothing through Christ who gives me the strength. I can be content. You know, our culture is so um, continuously trying to get us to focus on everything we don't have. You can't live without this. The amount of flyers I got before Christmas is just crazy how much stuff that you gotta have, you gotta have. Huge sale, huge sale. This is something that you need. And I'm like, yes, I boy, do I need. And all that happens is the, the contentment just gets drained away. He says, you know what? Through Christ, as you remain in that thankful attitude, contentment is uh, the result. Todd Stalker said it this way. I don't know Todd, but what a great thought. He says, thankfulness creates gratitude, which generates contentment that causes peace. Thankfulness, it starts there. Just thanking God. Being thankful creates gratitude, which generates contentment 
that causes peace. I can tell you this year, you give the gift of thanks more often, and in a year from now, you'll be glad you did. You give the gift of thanks, and in a year from now, you'll be glad you did. The second one is this, forgiveness. Forgiveness. This one's tougher, isn't it? It's easy to say thank you. You know, someone holds a door, thank you. You know, whatever, at the cafe, thank you. But forgiveness is a little deeper. That's the one that's much more difficult. No one ever feels like forgiving. It's not the thing you want. You want them to make it right with you. But Colossians, Paul writes to them, and he says this in verse 12, chapter 3. He says, since God chose you to be the holy people he loves. This is why. He's saying this is, this is the reason. What I'm about to tell you, it's because God chose you to be the holy people that he loves. You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness, and with patience. In verse 13, he says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. He says, remember that the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. It's something we sometimes forget. He says that there's, that there's forgiveness is something required of us. You know, as I prepared for this, I was reminded of the story of Corey Ten Boom. Corey Ten Boom uh, wrote a book called The Hiding Place. She was uh, in, in Holland during the war. And uh, was, they were captured, and they were taken to a concentration camp in Ravensbrück spent 10 months in one of Hitler's concentration camps. And in a message called How to Forgive, she described the horrors of it. And she says the worst part was every time they took us out, made us stand in a row and strip off all of our clothes for the inspections. She said it was just so humiliating and degrading. And she says of all the things, it was just this, this thing that just registered in her mind as being one of the, the horrors she had to face. And she began to talk about this idea of forgiveness. How do I forgive being so wronged? Uh, she can share her story better than I can. She has a thick Dutch accent, but I want to give you a chance just to listen to it from her perspective. It was some time ago that I was in Berlin, and there came a man to me and said, Ah, Mr. Boom, I am glad to see you. Don't you know me? And suddenly I saw that man that was one of the most cruel aufseers, guards, in the concentration, in concentration camp. And that man said, I have, I'm now a Christian. I have found the Lord Jesus. I read my Bible and I know that there is forgiveness for all the sins of the whole world. Also for my sins. I have forgiveness for the cruelties I have done. But then I have asked God grace for an opportunity that I could ask one of my very victims forgiveness. And Fräulein Tambom wants him here forgiven. Will you forgive me? And I could not. I remembered the suffering of my dying sister through him. But when I saw, when I experienced that I could not forgive, suddenly I knew. I myself have no forgiveness. Do you know that Jesus has said that? When you do not forgive those who have sinned against you, my heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. I, I knew, oh, I'm not ready for Jesus coming because I have no forgiveness for my sins. But I was not able, I could not, I could only hate him. And then... I took one of these 
beautiful text, one of these boundless resources, Romans 5.5, the love of God is shed abroad into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. And I said, thank you, Jesus, that you have brought into my heart God's love through the Holy Spirit who is given to me. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my hatred and unforgiveness. That same moment, I was free. And I could say, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him. And it was as if I felt God's love stream through my arms. You never touch so the ocean of God's love as that you forgive your enemies. Can you forgive? No. I can't either. But he can. Powerful, powerful thoughts. Forgiving your enemies, just touching the ocean of God's love. Clara Barton, the founder of the Red Cross, shares a similar story. As she was meeting a friend, and she was reminded by that friend of someone who had wronged her. And uh, it had been a few years previous, and so she had said to them, you know, you remember, you know, remember what that person did to you? And she, she responded with this. She says, no. She says, I distinctly remember forgetting that. I distinctly remember forgetting that. You know, it's not always easy to say those words, I forgive you. But there's something so, so powerful in that. A few weeks ago, I shared the story of that man, the gentleman who I had the opportunity to, to pray with and who came to, to know the Lord as a result of Eden's story. One of the things he struggled with was unforgiveness. He said, you know, I'm a, I, for the last 10 years, I've just been a bitter, bitter man. He talked about the relationships with his daughter and his ex-wife and others who he just, there was just, the, the relationships were all ruined because of, of um, bitterness and unforgiveness. And as I shared with him that, you know, Jesus was calling him to forgive those people and let them go. You know, I left that hospital room, and when I came back a week later, I, his body was deteriorating, but his face was shining. I said, what happened to you? And he says, I did what you said. He says, I, 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 said, I sent out emails to my daughter and to my wife. He says, I let them know that I've, that I've forgiven the wrongs that they've done to me. He says, I sent out to them apologizing for the wrongs that I'd, that I'd committed. And he says, I've sent out all those things. He says, even when the, the thoughts have come back to my head when I was you know, still angry because they didn't, they didn't respond how I'd hoped, he says, I just let it go. And he says, I've just allowed them to, for, um, to, to be off the hook. I've just forgiven. And he said to me, he says, you know, I wish that I could stand in front of a church someday and tell them how amazing it feels to forgive and be forgiven. He says, because people don't realize that when you get to my place in this bed, that it doesn't matter. All the things that you thought were so worth holding on to don't matter at all. Witness just the incredible power of forgiveness in someone's life. So my question is, who are you holding grudges against? Who, who's wronged you that you just can't let it go? They're not even around, but they're in your headspace, and they're affecting your life. Or maybe you've wronged someone, and you know, it's always there. You see them and you avoid them because you just don't want to send it out there that I was wrong. I'm sorry. Maybe they live in the same house with you and you're just too proud to say, I'm sorry. Maybe you're the one who needs your forgiveness this morning. Maybe, you know, you're in the spot and God's forgiven you and you know it and yet you just can't let you off the hook. You just keep reliving that past mistake in your life and not allowing it to be let go. If God's forgiven you, 
You're not greater than him. You need to forgive you as well. There's incredible, incredible power in forgiveness, and it's the gift that you can give. I can tell you something. You give more forgiveness this year, and one year from now, you'll be glad you did. I promise you. And the last one is this, time. We're running out of it this morning, so I'm going to share this quick. I was out on a date with Beth this week, and uh, I ended up in the mall with her, and I got lost somehow. And so (laughs) I uh, thought I would check out the Spence Diamond Store, or whatever it's called. I think that's what it's called. It's had a lot of glittery diamonds. So I walked in there, and I was looking at stuff. It's amazing how the prices of these things. It's, it's incredible. And as I went down the thing, it was like, you know, they're just like 400, 500, and just going along. And then I, I saw this guy, this young guy who had walked. He was in the store ahead of me, and he was talking to the lady at the, uh, one of the people selling diamonds. And uh, as he's, you know, in jogging pants and a hat on sideways. And he's like, so, he's like, he's like do you guys have any, like, stuff, like, for friendship? And uh, then I was, like, kind of intrigued, so I listened in a little bit. Uh, that's a skill. Uh, so <laughs> he, uh, it was just funny because he says, he says to her, like, you know, you have anything cheaper, you know, like for friendship. And she's like, well, who are you buying for? She's like, well, she's not my girlfriend. And I'm like thinking yet, right? He says, but he's like, she's a really, really, really good friend. And he's like, I just, I just want to buy her something special as, you know, from friend to friend. He's like, do you have anything for that? She's like, oh, sure, we do. Come on down here. He's like, we have these friendship stone things. They start at $900. He's like, we're not that good of friends, and I was just like, think, I'm just, I was killing myself, because I'm like, that is like hilarious to me, you know, how much will I spend on someone I really, really love, but well, not that much, right, uh, how much will we spend on those we really, really love, and when we think about it with money, it's one thing, but there's something much more valuable than that, and it is this thing called time. In our pre-marriage courses, we always tell people this. And it's a, it's a, it's a quote by Dieter Uchtdorf. He says, in family relationships, love is really spelled T-I-M-E. This is the most valuable thing you have. You can make more money. You can't make more time. And this morning, when I think about that and we think about time, what we do with our time and the value of time, I was reminded of this video, and I want you to have a chance to just see this one as well. Last video. These are roughly 28,835 jelly beans. I counted out 500 of them and used those to weigh the rest. In this pile, there's one jelly bean for each day that the average American will live. You might have more beans in your life, or maybe less, but on average, this is the time we have. Here's a single bean. It's your very first day. A special day, but kind of a rough day on everyone involved. Add 364 more and you have the first year of your life. Now, for a sense of scale, here are your first 15 years, 5,475 days, which brings us to the threshold of adulthood. And at that moment, this is the time that we have left. And this is, on average, what we will do with all that time. We will be asleep for a total of 8,477 days. If we're lucky, some of that time we'll be sleeping next to someone we love. We will be in the process of eating, drinking, or preparing food for 1,635 days. We'll be at work, hopefully doing something satisfying, for the equivalent of 3,202 of those days. 1,099 days will be spent commuting or traveling from one place to another. Maybe a little bit more if you live in L.A. On average, we will watch television in one form or another for a total of 2,676 days. 
Household activities, like chores and tending to our pets and shopping, will take another 1,576 days. And we will care for the needs and well-being of others, our friends and family, for 564 days. We'll spend 671 days bathing, grooming, and doing all other bathroom-related activities. And another 720 days will go to community activities, like religious and civic duties, charities, and taking classes. After we remove all those beans, this is what remains. This is the time that we have left. Time for laughing, swimming, making art, going on hikes, text messages, reading, checking Facebook, playing softball, maybe even teaching yourself how to play the guitar. So what are you going to do with this time? How much of it do you think you've already used up? If you only had half of it, what would you do differently? What about half of that? How much time have you already spent worrying? instead of doing something that you love. What if you just had one more day? What are you gonna do today? Interesting thought. You know, as I read the comments underneath, I was, it was just interesting to hear what other people thought as they watched that video. One person said, how much time did he waste counting all those jelly beans? <laughs> Others said, you know, enjoy all the time. You know, sometimes think, oh, I only got one being left, you know, but enjoying all the time, the time you're driving, the time with family, the time, whatever it may be, to enjoy all of that time. You know, what are you going to do with the one bean that you have today? Maybe you never thought that a jelly bean would be so impactful in your life, but one bean. You know, you have 1,440 minutes today. I want to say thank you to you for spending some of those minutes here with us, investing in our lives as we hope to invest in yours. But isn't it true that just it speeds by? And unless we sit back and reflect on the fact that it's flying by, we can forget. You know, I have, I have older parents always tell me this. Wow, your kids are growing up so fast. You just wait. It just goes so fast, and they'll be gone. They'll be, they'll be up, you know, married and out the door, and it's just, just like that. And I'm like, well, it feels long right now. <laughs> but, but it's true, right? Just like that. Like, my daughter's 10. Just like that. It's, it's true. It just flies by. I had dads tell me, Mark, you know, I worked, I, if I could tell you one thing, it's this. I worked way too hard when my kids were young. I didn't spend that time with them, and I can't get it back. My kids don't want to come home. There's no relationship there. I was doing my best to provide for them, but with the relationship, the time investment in them wasn't there. It's definitely one thing I want to do differently. You know, marriage. Your marriage needs time invested, real time. Like when you go out on a date, it's just a date, you know, not something else. That's just for me. If that helps anybody, great. But there will always be time for errands, but investing real time. For those of you who volunteer, investing your time in others, isn't it amazing? For those who volunteer, you know it. You know the joy that it brings into your heart to do something for others. There was a study recently uh, that I was reminded of recently that was done where they had um, 100 students at a university. They were given $100 and told, go spend this $100 on yourself, buy whatever you love the most, and then come back. And then they gave another 100 students $100 and said, go and spend this $100 on other people and come back, and we're gonna, uh, we will you know, follow up then. And then they asked them, on a scale of 1 to 10, what was the happiness as a result of purchasing something or doing something for someone else? And, of course, the score for doing something for someone else was so much higher. The happiness factor, the joy factor, it's how you're wired. And if you know it, investing time in others will pay back great dividends in your own life. You know, small group, for those of you who spent the time investing in small group, what amazing relationships have been a result of those things. Genuine friendships. 
And I encourage you to invest the time. Well, I don't have time for small groups. Nobody does. But when you invest the time in that, it's amazing at the relationship stuff that happens. And I can tell you this, that if you'll give your time for someone else this year, more of your time for the relationships that matter most in a year from now, you'll be glad you did. So closing today, I just want to leave you with a thought from James, pretty important guy. He's the brother of Jesus. Um, and he had some instructions for people who were followers of Christ. And he, he said this to them, James chapter 1, verse 22. He says, don't just listen to God's word. See, he was speaking to some people who were living in Greek culture where everything was about new ideas. As long as I heard this idea and I thought about it, that's pretty good. He says, don't just listen to God's word or this idea, this new idea. You gotta do what it says. This thing is about action. He says, otherwise you're fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and you don't obey it, it's like looking at, a, at your face in a mirror. You see yourself. You sit here this morning like, yeah, maybe one of those things was like, oh, that's me. I know all three are me. You know, he says, you know, that's, that's me. And uh, he says, but if you look at it and you walk away, you'll just forget about that. It'll be like, yeah, that was me. And then you leave this place and nothing happens. He says, but if you look carefully into the perfect law or the word of God that sets you free, and if you do what it says and you don't forget what you've heard, then God will bless you for doing it. See that word? It's in there a lot. Do, do, do it. You know, saying thank you, being thankful fostering thankfulness and contentment in your life for the Lord and to others is something that you can do. You know, the thought of, you know, we, I think it's up there. Yeah, we do forgiveness. You know, that's not just a like, hey, I think that's a good idea. That's something we actually do where it's like, I am sorry and I forgive you. Become things that are, that are on, our, on our tongue till they end up in our heart. It starts here and it ends up here. And using our time, some of you incredibly uh, investing your time for others, I encourage you that if you give thanks and if you'll give forgiveness and if you'll give your time this year for others, you'll be glad you did. I promise you that. And so this morning, as we kind of find ourselves in this place, it's, you have two options. One, you can be like, oh, that was depressing. You know, walk out, I only got one jelly bean left. Oh, yeah. uh, or, or you can just simply say, God, I just, if you're talking to me, I just open the door wide in my heart to that part of me to you. That you would come into my weakness, that you'd come into the place. Let's you and me do this together. It's not about behavior change just so that we're better people. It's about us living life with our Savior and allowing him to affect our lives and, and as a result affect the lives of those around us. You don't have to do it, but if you do, you'll be glad you did. Let's pray. Father, thank you for, for your word and the life-changing power that it has even after all of these years. Thank you for those who translate it into our language and Holy Spirit for helping us to understand it, how it relates to each and every one of us, because I know this morning it's different for every single person here. Would you help translate that into the hearts of each person as you lead and direct our lives, that you give us the strength to encourage to walk out the, the difficult decisions that need to be made over the next little while. And Father, I pray that as we, as we live this life for you and with you, that others would have the opportunity to see through us just how awesome you are, that they'd have a chance to respond to your love and your forgiveness. Father, thank you that you're uh, allowing us to help change the world, and we just are uh, just privileged and, uh, and, and pleased to be a part of that. Thank you for this great family. I pray you bless them over this next couple of days and over this new year. May we be everything that you desire us to be, Lord, that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done in and through our lives. Thank you for loving us first. We love you in return. It's in your amazing name I pray. Amen.